arms. Give it your all. We'll, we'll drink, drink the wine till the cup is dry and kiss the girls and then the cry and toss the dice until we fly and dance for the shadows. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Tales of a Red Arm. I'm your host Justin, and we're jumping into Chapter 38, Maidens of the Spear. A uh, quick recap, we had uh, Gwaine, Nynaeve, and Elaine on a ship, which I'm trying to remember the name of it. I think it's at the very beginning here, so I should obviously know off the top of my head. Um, the Blue Crane, that's correct. All right, so they're on the Blue Crane, and they're traveling down the river, and Egwene was trying to figure out her dreams and stuff and was talking to Elaine. And then they hit something in the river. Brings Nynaeve up. She goes over and yells at the captain and everything. And basically they find out that pirates have sunk a ship and they would rammed it and basically trying to figure out how to get it back. But the sweeps weren't working, all that kind of stuff. So Nynaeve is like, we're going to get put on the, on the Kyrian shore as opposed to the Andoran Shore, because the Andoran Shore is like 12, 16 miles to get to the next town, where on Kyrian it was 6 miles. But there are brigands and stuff on the Kyrian banks. Um, so, they basically get put onto the shore, and that's where we start from chapter 38. Um, as they were walking, uh, basically Egwene embraced Sidar immediately before they started screaming because they got surprised by this person standing up in front of them, literally like feet from them. They're like, Oh my gosh, <laughs> really cut them off guard. Um, and I wondered if captain Ellisor would hear the screams and send help or whatever. Um, but and he was just standing there simply with her arms crossed and a little firm expression on her face. And, you know, going's not, like, I'm not sure that she's actually angry, but um, not enough to touch the true source anyway. But she already seen what Egwene was seeing. And the person facing them was a woman no older than Egwene herself, if somewhat taller. Keep this in mind, because this is descriptions. Um, and when they say somewhat taller, they mean a bit more. <laughs> Quite a bit. <laughs> Egwene's very short and very small. So then you have this woman kind of like looming over her. But she doesn't let go of Sidar. And then she gives her uh, quote-unquote sexist view on this, which is the uh, men were sometimes silly enough to think a woman was harmless uh, merely because she was a woman. And I was like, eh, I don't know if every man thinks that, but it's definitely the viewpoint of women in this world, which both sides have their own quote-unquote sexist view takes on things, which... I personally find them hilarious. Um, and when you find them hilarious, it makes the book that much better. Um, but men think women are a certain way and women think men are a certain way. And both of them have a little grade of truth in it, but a whole lot of not <laughs> amongst it. So it's just kind of like saying from the perspective of the characters, this is their viewpoint. But she's like, oh, well... She looks at Elaine, and Elaine's not, you know, using the one power or, you know, holding the one power. And he's like, oh, the daughter heir must be still harbors foolish notions. And she's like, she was never a Shan Shan prisoner. I'm like, okay, you need to let that go. <laughs> the Shan Shan are a totally different, like, practically a different species than the rest of the people on this continent. Like, the Shan Shan would, like train you, treat you less than human, etc. At least on this side of the world without the Shan Shan, at, at least they'll just kill you outright. Like, <laughs> there's, there's not like a human trafficking ring going on. It's it's quite straightforward, which obviously they're just not paying attention to anything else, but she's like the whole, she's never a Shan Shan prince. It really needs to get over that. Like, I get that it's like a traumatic experience and whatnot, but at the same time, you can't treat everyone that you never thought would treat you like the Shan Shan 
as the same way as the Shan Shan, let alone the Shan Shan had unique ways to prevent you from doing what you were doing, aka shielding, wrap you up in airs with another uh, Devani. Um, there, there's ways they could do it no one else is going to be able to do for you, right? So you just need to chill. But Egwene's, um didn't think many men would be stupid enough to think the woman in front of them was not dangerous, even though her hands are empty and she had no actual weapons to see. She had blue-green eyes and reddish hair cut short except for a narrow tail that hung to her shoulders. Soft-laced knee boots and close-fitted clo coat and breeches all in the shades of earth and rock. Such coloring and clothing had been described to her once. This woman was Aiel. So this woman has blue-green eyes and reddish hair cut short, except for a narrow tail that hangs between her shoulder. And she's somewhat taller, although about the age of Egwene. So... I'd say 17-ish, 18-ish maybe, roughly in that range, because Egwene's much younger than the boys. Um, and the boys are like 19-ish, 20-ish. Um, and Egwene's kind of like feeling this affinity for the woman. She doesn't really get it, but she's like, well, she looks like Rand's cousin. Maybe that's why. And it's kind of a little bit of kinship, but even then, you know, she's a little bit of curious as to why the Aiel are here. <laughs> it's like, they never leave the Waste, not since the Aiel War. Now, keep in mind, the readers, like us, have gotten explanations from at least two Aiel men so far. One was in Book 2, one was in this book. Egwene does not have that luxury of having the explanation given to her yet, so she's learning of it. So it seems like it's a whole, you know, what are they doing here is like a, a very repetitive thing going on. But it's also repetitive not because the author thinks you have forgotten, which maybe you have, and maybe it's a good refresher course for you. But it's not because of that. It's because the characters have to know what's going on in the world around them in order for them to better prepare themselves for newer information coming in. And the information the reader knows is not the same as information that the characters know. Um, there could be some, like, quote-unquote, off-screen conversation later on where other characters are not surprised the Aiel are there because somebody else mentioned that they had seen Aiel. But Aiel don't typically pop up in front of people except for specific people, and that's usually because they're under... Specific circumstances. This is one of those specific circumstances where the Aiel would not have approached them otherwise, except for these reasons, and we're about to find out what those are. So she's like, well, they never leave the waste, not since the Aiel War. That's the current consensus of the quote-unquote wetlands. And they have no reason to know why the Aiel are here, or why since the Aiel War that you have been here. But she had she has stories and stuff that she had heard of how deadly the Aiel were, these maidens of the spear, no less than the members of the male warrior societies. And she doesn't feel any particular fear, but some irritation at being afraid, but she has Sidar feeding the one power under her. She doesn't have to fear anyone. Well, that's a pretty naive thought, but... It's like, well, maybe, maybe a fully trained sister. I'm like, or... A, you know, a Damani and her handler, you know, whatever. He's like, but definitely not a woman, if she, even if she is Aiel. I'm like, eh, I'd say that the Aiel women would be more, something I'd be even more terrified of, probably than the Shan Shan. But the woman introduces herself as Avienda of the Nine Valleys Sept of the Tardad Aiel. And her face is as flat and expressionless as her voice. She is I am, sure, she says, I am Farderize Mai, a maiden of the spear. She pauses, studying, and she's like, you have not the look in your faces, but we saw the rings. She says, we. <laughs> she's the only one here so far. In your hands, or in your lands, and uh, women have something much like our wise ones, called Aes Sedai. Are you women of the White Tower or not? So Gawain's like, we? She's looking around, doesn't see anybody in the bush for or doesn't see anyone behind any bush for 20 paces. And it's like, well, if there are others, they had to be in the next thicket more than 200 paces ahead, or at least 
the last one twice that behind them. It's like, yeah, too far to really be threatened. It's like, well, unless they have bows, they'd have to be good with them. But then we learn a little bit about um, Two Rivers uh, society and what she would be familiar with as a, a girl from Two Rivers. Back home in the competitions at Beltine and Sunday, only the best bowmen shot at any distance much beyond 200 paces. Keep in mind, I believe the Two Rivers longbows uh, go up to 300 paces. Um, which does kind of clash later on in the series with some other instances. But by that point, they would have technically have had time to train. So I guess that gives it a little bit of credence. But she's like, well, I feel I feel better knowing that I can hurl a lightning bullet than anybody who tries a shot. And then Naive's just like, well, we are women of the White Tower. And she was very obviously not trying to look around for other Aiel. But then Elaine's kind of appearing about. And she's like, well, whether you consider any of us wise is another matter. And so what do you want of us? But then Avienda smiles. And Egwene makes a note of that she's she was really quite lovely. The grim expression had masked it. She's like, you talk as the wise ones do, to the point and small suffering of fools. It's like, yeah, that's a that's a female trait in this series <laughs> for a lot of the women, specifically women in power. And her smile fades, but then her voice is still calm. She's like, well, one of us lies gravely hurt, perhaps dying, and the wise ones often heal those who would surely die without them. And I have heard Aes Sedai can do more. Will you aid her? And Egwene is just like. What, you're a friend of yours is dying? She sounds like she's asking full under a cup of barley flour. And he's like, well, I can help her if I can. Or like, I will help her if I can. I don't make any promises, Avienda, but she could die despite anything I could do. And then Avienda's just like, well, death comes for us all. We can only choose how to face it when it comes. Follow me. So two women in Aiel garb stand up no more than ten paces away. <laughs> went out of a little fold in the ground that Egwene would not have supposed could even hide a dog, and the other in a grass that reached only halfway to her knees. It's like, oh yes, people laying on the grass. That's a an unheard of concept. But they lower their black veils as they stand up, which is another surprise, because Elaine had told her that the Aiel had only only hid their faces when they have when they might have to do killing, like when there's violence in the air. And settled the cloth they had wrapped around their heads about their shoulders, aka the shufa. Um, which is, I'm not, I'm not sure if it's like, if it's just like a, it's not like a turban. It's it's more like a uh, a cowl. So they have like this cowl they wrap around their head, and then they have like their face, kind of free of it. So it's like something wrapped around the head that also like drops to behind their back of their head, kind of thing leaving the uh, basically the forehead to the neck free. And then that's where they veil up. Um, he's like, well, one had the same reddish hair as Avienda with gray eyes, and the other had dark blue eyes and hair like fire. Those are good descriptions for people. <laughs> um, neither was any older than Egwene or Elaine, and both looked ready to use the short spears in their hands. And then the one with the fiery hair hands Avienda or weapons, a long bladed heavy knife or a, a long heavy bladed knife to belt at her waist, and a bristling quiver for the other side, a dark curved bow that had the dull shine of a horn in a case to fasten on her back, and four short spears with long points to grip in her left hand, along with a small round hide buckler. That's a lot of equipment. <laughs> But obviously, the reason this happened is because Avienda didn't want to approach them and startle them being armed, make them uncomfortable. So she came unarmed, thinking that might help. The irony is, is that she's still just as deadly without any of her weapons. But Aviana just wears them naturally, as any woman in the Emmons field might wear a scarf. Just like the companions. So they, you know, she's like, yeah, let's go. So Egwene releases Sidar, and she's like, well, three Aiel could probably stab her with spears before she had a chance to do anything if they wanted to. Um, and she's like, I don't think they would. And But then she gets this ridiculous notion in her head, which obviously doesn't make sense. She's like, well, what if Nynaeve can't heal their friend? I'm like, we just had this conversation between Nynaeve saying, I can't make promises. She might die despite anything I can do. And Aiel's like, well, death comes for everyone. 
We can only choose how to face it when it comes. Which seems like, hey, you know, if I die, I die. No big deal. Like, and she's like, well, but what if, but what if they can't heal a friend? And she's like, maybe. She needs to ask before, you know, just jumping ahead and doing things without us. Because it involves all of us. But they head for the trees, and the Aiel are scanning the land around them, if, if, as if the entire empty area could hold enemies, pretty much hiding just like they would hide themselves. But Avienda strides ahead, and Nynaeve keeps up with her. So Elaine's like, well, I'm Elaine of Alstrakhan, daughter heir to Morgay's Queen of Andor. Which, if I was going out of a turn and just slapped her right there, it's like, you can't just keep telling people that. That's not how this works. But as if I had said before, Elaine, Elaine and intelligence don't go together. Like, she's basically a Barbie bimbo. She doesn't have a brain. She's she's very brainless. She's very much an airhead, and she doesn't really think. She just assumes that because she's royalty or she has some position of power that everyone's just going to bow down and worship her as soon as they get the chance. Like, it's, she's absolutely ridiculous. So Glenn stumbles, and she's like, is she mad? I know Andor fought them in the war been 20 years ago, but Aiel apparently have, or are supposed to have long memories. And the flame-haired Aiel is just like, I am Bane of the Black Rock Sept of the Sharad Aiel. And then the other one, says, the shorter, blonder woman's like, I am Chiad of the Stones River Sept of the Goshen Aiel. Now, I want to point out the blonder woman is because it, it she's not blonde. She's blonder. This is this is a very useful expression, and we've seen it in book one, I believe, when Rand had uh, met, I believe it was Elida, and she pulled up his sleeve and said, "You know, people of the two rivers are of um, darker skin, not dark skin, darker skin." Meaning his pale underneath his his sleeves, and obviously he's really tan in his hands, his neck, you know, places that the sun would hit for a farmer and a shepherd. He's really tan, but underneath the clothes, he's really pasty. The Aiel have this similar function, and in her case, she's a shorter, blonder. She's blonder than the flame-haired Aiel. A lot of people get this mixed up in it drives me nuts because that's not how descriptions work she's not blonde and red-haired she's a red hair that is blonder aka a lighter color than the more fuller flame haired which is more of a like a full red dark red kind of flame like a, it's what you expect when you see like a fire it's like this darker fire look as opposed to a lighter fire and chiad the shorter blonder woman has this lighter fire hair it's not quite to the level as bane but she's of the stone river sept of the goshen Aiel. and at this point we don't know much about it but we will learn about between their their relationships and that of their septs and clans later on in this chapter but bane and chiad are kind of like looking at Egwene like is she going to be bad mannered about us and then she's like oh well i'm Egwene alvir Daughter of Marin Alvir of Emmonsfield and the Two Rivers. And it just seemed to make them happy. And she's like, okay. He's like, well, I don't get all this about seps and clans. And he's like, well, it must be like families. <laughs> kind of. Not really. But, I mean, that's the best you could expect to hope from Egwene in this regard. Um, but then Bane's like, so are you guys all first sisters? And... She thinks that they mean sisters, like, used for Aes Sedai, so she says yes, but Elaine says no. So then uh, Ban and Chiad are like, uh, what? Maybe they don't have their whole whole minds together. And Elaine tells Egwene, you know, first sister means a woman who have the same mother. Second sister means the mothers are sisters. Second sister means cousins, basically. First sister means literally sister. Second sister means cousins, so... It's it's pretty straightforward in that regard, but then she turns to the Aiel. And she's like, "We don't we, like we don't know much about 
your people, so you, you have to excuse our ignorance. I'm like, that's the smartest thing she's ever said. Excuse my stupidity as I continue to be stupid. Yeah, I'm a little salty about Elaine because she's really annoying in the entire series. Um, I don't like her. But if you like her, power to you. But if you keep liking her by the end of the series, you are a little bit more stoic than I am. And I'm pretty stinking stoic. Um, it's like, we sometimes think of Egwene as a first sister, but we are not blood kin. And then Chiad's like, well, why don't you just speak the words before your wise ones? I'm like, well, Chiad, they, they don't have the same culture as you, so they don't know what the words would even be, and they don't have the wise ones. And he's like, well, Banan and I became first sisters. And Egwene's like, wait, wait, you can become first sisters? Like, you either have the same mother or you don't. I don't mean to offend, but, you know, a lot of what I know about the Maidens of the Spear comes from what little Elaine has told me. I know you fight in battle and don't care for men, but not more than that. And Lance is like, yeah, yeah. Basically, what they had done is like they're cross female warriors and red Aja. But then the heel kind of like have a look between them two, and they're like, huh? And she adds like, what? We we don't care for men? A little puzzled. And Bane is like putting her hand up to her head like, huh? She's like, well, you're almost there, but you missed it completely. And then she explains the uh, the process of the Aiel, which is a cultural phenomenon for them. When we wed the spear, we pledge to be bound to no man or child. Some do give up the spear for a man or a child. Her expression said she herself did not understand this. But once given up, the spear cannot be taken back. So they wed the spear um, instead of someone. It's not a romantic, it's not a sexual, it's purely just a term. We wed the spear. We become warriors. We are warriors in every sense. Um, and we pledge to be bound to no man or child means that while they are wedded to the spear, aka a spear sister or whatever, um, basically they're not going to get married have children or adopt a child. Basically it. Um, and they're like, but once given up, the spear cannot be taken back. So basically, if you give it up for a man, then you're no longer a warrior. You're not part of the warrior society called Far to Rise My, um, which is the female society. And then she adds like, well, or if she go, gets chosen to go to Ruidion, a wise one cannot be wedded to the spear. Wise ones are a little higher on the totem pole in society of Aiel culture, higher than that of just the the typical Aiel spear society or military groups, the clans and whatnot. I'm trying to make it simple to understand outside of Aiel terms. <laughs> I don't know I'm doing good, but I'm trying. But Bane's like, yeah, that's the sky's blue and the rain fell from clouds. Yep, that's all she said. And the glance she looks at Egwene and, and Elaine is just like, yeah, yeah, that's true. Though some try to struggle against it, and she has like, <laughs> yeah, they do, and they like have like a little joke going on. I'm gonna try to read this. It's gonna be weird since I yield monotonous tone is a bit harder for me to work with alongside of a female voice. So bear with me, this could be horrible. But I have gone far from the trail of my explanation, Bane went on. The maidens do not dance the spears with one another, even when our clans do. But the Sherrod Aiel and the Goshin Aiel have held blood feud between them over four hundred years. So Chiad and I felt our wedding pledge was not enough. We went to speak the words before the wise ones of our clans, she risking her life in my hold and I in hers, to bond us as first sisters, as is proper for the first sisters who are maidens. We guard each other's backs, and neither will let a man come to her without the other. I would not say that we do not care for men. Chiad nodded with just a hint of a smile. Have I made the truth clear to you, Egwene? 
"'Yes,' Egwene said faintly. She glanced at Elaine and saw the bewilderment in her blue eyes, as she knew must be there. "'Not red, Aja. Green, maybe. A cross between waters and green, Aja, and I do not think another thing will come out of that.' "'The truth is quite clear to me now, Bane. Thank you.' "'If the true of you feel you are for sisters,' she had said, "'you should go to your wise ones and speak the words. "'But you are wise ones, though young. "'I do not know how it would be done in that case.' "'Egwene did not know whether to laugh or blush. "'She kept having an image of her and Elaine sharing the same man. "'No, that is only for first sisters who are maidens of the spear, isn't it? Elaine did have spots of color in her cheeks, and Egwene was sure she was thinking of Rand. But we do not share him, Elaine. We can neither of us have him. Whew, a little bit to unpack there. So, first, they say they're, um, they, they had this feud between the Sharad Aiel and the Goshen Aiel. And they had their wedding pledge. Now, their wedding pledge wasn't to each other. It's, it's not a lesbian relationship. Their wedding pledge is being wedded to the spear, a.k.a. becoming maidens of the spear. But that wasn't enough for them because maidens of the spear uh, do not fight other maidens of the spear. Right? Um, but in order to avoid future conflicts, they took it a step further and be went to the wise ones to become first sisters. First sisters will not raise a hand against each other or their clans. So basically, if the Sharad go to war with a clan and the Goshin go to war with a clan, they could help either one of them. But if the Sharad and the Goshin go to war with each other, they will both avoid all the conflict entirely. Which makes sense. It's a good way to get out of the system of having to cause any strife amongst their personal relationship being basically best friends forever. BFFs. TTYL. My, my BFF jail. Yes, I. that's an old, old, old commercial, but it's funny still. When parents just, uh, or figure out what their kids are texting and not knowing exactly what it means. It's hilarious. But anyway... <laughs> They have to risk their lives in each other's holds to get that done because obviously a Sharad going into the Goshin territory is basically everyone wants to kill her. And then obviously Goshin going to the Sharad, everyone wants to kill her. So they basically watch their backs and basically like they're under each other's protection. Um, so it makes them a very special connection as opposed to those who don't have that kind of a connection. Um, and since they had... Egwene and Elaine had this concept that Aiel, like Maidens of the Spears, Aiel, had this red Aja water-like connection. Like, they're pretty much warders to each other, but also kind of red Aja because they hate men. And they're clearly like, no, we don't hate men. It's just that we don't want to give up the spear unless we find a particular man or child to give it up for. So, Ben and Chiat are like, well, just go become first sisters. Like, go to the wise ones and become first sisters. And another thing, you're like, but we're not sure how you're supposed to do that because you guys are the wise ones, even though you're young. So, how do you do that? But Elaine and Egwene are kind of having the same thought about sharing Rand. And obviously, Egwene doesn't think that's possible. Although Elaine saying we can neither of us have him is pretty much a statement of her saying, well, because he's the dragon reborn and because he can channel and because he's in this weird, peculiar state, nobody can have him. And it's just like, that's eh, not true. That's literally just your opinion on it. But that's not a world fact. It's a Egwene opinion. Let's put it that way. So Elaine's like, well, I don't think there's a need for that. She ought Egwene and I already guard each other's backs. But Chiel's like, but how can that be? You're not wedded to the spear and you're a wise one. Who would lift a hand against a wise one? This is confusing. 
what need have you of guarding backs? I'm like, because evil people exist. <laughs> they don't care if you're Aes Sedai. But yeah, Aiel have a very straightforward society. It's honor-bound. It's very, like, there are, there are rules, very strict rules you have to follow. And there are no if ands, or buts. The wetlands, a.k.a. not the Aiel territories of the Waste, don't have this sense of honor in most scenarios. Now, there are specific areas that have this kind of uh, an honor-bound tradition, but it's not held to the level that the Aiel do. Like, the borderlands are extremely honor-bound, honor-based, I should say. They are also honor-bound, etc., to fight the, the blight and everything. Does not mean there aren't borderlanders who are either dark friends or whatever, but bordermen, by default, pretty much despise the, the shadow to every bone of their body, pun intended. Um, so, there's a very interesting uh, way things happen, I guess. Uh, I'm trying to think of. the easiest way to explain it, I guess. Um, the the Aiel are not going to hurt, I believe it's blacksmith, children, or women. Um, and I don't know, they don't really hurt men that aren't in the military, or like in the military, so to speak, or in war. But they will take them guy shine and stuff like that. And if they raise a weapon to them, they probably will strike them down. But they won't do it to blacksmiths because blacksmiths have a very high place in Aiel culture. Um, women and children, eh, that, that wouldn't go over well for Aiel. So, I mean, you can make warriors guy shine, a.k.a. somebody who lifts a weapon against you and they have to serve you for a year and a day um, as basically a servant. It's a good economy, technically, without making anyone a slave slave, because it's all honor-based. Honor so, like, once it happens, it's not like you don't have to watch them or anything. They, they do it because if they don't do it, their family and clan will send them back to do it and extend the time period. So it's pretty much like... Gito, which, which we'll, I think we've heard a little bit about, but we'll get into that a little bit more much later when we get to the Aiel and their cultures and stuff. It's not in this particular chapter, but that's just kind of bring it all full circle for that. So Chiad is like, I don't get it. Why do you have to worry about people, you know, whatever, like harming you? But Egwene doesn't have to give an answer because they arrive at this copse where there's two more Aiel deep in a thicket, but next to the river. And there's uh, Jolene of the Salt Flat Sept of the Nakai Aiel, a blue-eyed woman with red-gold hair, nearly the color of Elaine's, was watching over uh, Dalen of Avienda's Septon clan. And sweat is matted on Dalen's hair, making it a darker red, and she only opened her gray eyes once. Um, when they come closer... And then she closes it. But her coat and shirt are kind of on the side, and she's got red-stained bandages wrapped around her middle. Now, Vienda explains that she had gotten injured by a sword, and some of these oath-breaking tree killers called soldiers thought they were just a handful of bandits who infest these lands, and we had to kill them to convince them otherwise. <laughs> I'm just like, eh. Well, you could have just stayed out of their way because you are Aiel, but Aiel have this tendency to just, like, walk upon people because that's where we learn about Gaul and his buddy who died. He's like, well, can you heal her eyes to die? So Nynaeve, you know, gets down and is like, well, have you moved her since she's hurt? She's scabbing, but it's been broken. And he's like, well, obviously, like, well, she wanted to die by water. And she looks at the river and then looks away again. And Egwene thinks she might have shivered. This is a... Typical reaction from Aiel. Aiel don't have access to a whole lot of water. And nothing you could go full body into, like wade into or anything like that. 
And Nynaeve starts getting mad and is like, fools, you could have killed her by moving her with an injury that way. And she wanted to die near water. Just because you carry weapons like men doesn't mean you have to think like them. There's another one of those comments. <laughs> There's a lot more. It's a, it's a lot more complex, but this is just how women perceive men. And even if there's a bit more to it and obviously vice versa, men thinking specifically about a woman a specific way, there's more complexity to it. That's the that's the short term of it. Still is hilarious. But she gives this uh, cup and gives it to Chiad, says, fill that. So Chiad and Bane step over the river's edge and return to get, or stepped over to the river's edge. And their faces don't change, but they pretty much expected to have the river come up and grab them, like drown them or something. Avina's like, well, if we hadn't brought her here to the river, we wouldn't have never found you and she would have died anyway. And it's like, okay, trying to reason with Nynaeve is just not a strong suit at this point in the story. <laughs> so Nynaeve snorts and just begins working on her herbs and everything. She's so like, well, corn root helps make blood, dogwort for knitting flesh, and heal all. I'm like, heal all should be the one that just does everything because it's called heal all. And she's kind of mutters and mutters, and Avienda's frowning at her, and he's like, well, the wise ones use herbs, I said, I, but I had not heard that I said I use them. And he was like, I just use what I use. And then he goes back together, and she has whispers to Bane softly. He's like, she truly does sound like a wise one. And the other one gives a tight nod. <laughs> Dalen was the only Aiel without her weapons in hand. They all look ready to use them. And this is, again, doesn't make any sense um, about, like, it doesn't make any sense that Egwene would keep having these thoughts. She keeps going back to this. Like, oh, they're probably going to kill us any moment now. And Egwene's like, well, she's not, Nynaeve's not soothing anyone anymore. You know, just get them talking about something, anything. Nobody likes fighting when they're talking about something peaceful. I'm just like, they've already said multiple times they're not going to hurt you. It's fine. Just get over yourself. Stop being stupid. No, this, this is not how it works. So she's like, hey, not to offend you, but you guys all seem really uneasy about the river. It doesn't grow violent unless there's a storm. You could swim in it if you wanted to. That The currents is strong away from the banks. And Elaine's like, yeah, yeah. But not really. It's more of a no, no, no. Like, what are you saying? And the Aiel are just kind of staring at him like, what? Avienda pitches in. He's like, well, I saw a... Shinaran man do this swimming thing once. And Egwene's like, what? I know there isn't much water in the waste, but I thought you guys were the Stones River Sept, Jolene. Surely you have swum in the Stones River. And I'm thinking, like, I mean, the name is pretty straightforward. It's Stone River, which means it's a river of stone, not of water. <laughs> ay, 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 ay. But Elaine looks at her if she's as mad, and Jolene's like, swim. Uh, getting in the water, is that what it means? All that water with nothing to hold on to? And she kind of shudders. She's like, I said, I, before I crossed the dragon wall, I had never seen flowing water I could not step across. The Stones River, some claim it had water in it once, but that was only boasting. There are only the stones, the oldest records of the wise ones and the clan chiefs say that if there was... Never anything but stones since the first day our sept broke off from the high plains sept and claimed that land. It's like, let's swim. Ooh. She gripped her spears as if she had to fight every word. And Gia and Bane moved a pace further from the riverbank. And the queen's like, ah. But she kind of colors and she leads Elaine's eye. She's like, well, I'm not the daughter heir to know all these things, and I will learn them eventually, though. Which, fair point to her. At least she's recognizing that that was really stupid of her and that she's going to make an effort to learn. Props to Egwene for that. But then she looks around and then it doesn't really soothe them. If anything, it makes them more on edge. And he's like, well, if they try anything, I'll hold them over there. I'm like, you still didn't learn that part, though. Points deducted from Egwene. <sighs> but she doesn't know whether or not she could seize four people at once, but she opens up to Sidar and leaves the flows of air and hold them in the ready. The power's pulsing and she just 
looks at Elaine and just doesn't see any glow around her. He's wondering why. But Elaine just looks right at her and shakes her head like, you dumb as a rock, Gwen. Which is funny because Elaine's dumber than a, dumber than a rock. Elaine's like, yeah, I... Like, this, this is pointless, Egwene. Stop. Just don't. Just don't. And then Aviana's like, I would never harm a nice to die. I would have you know that. Whether Dylan lives or dies, it makes no difference in that. I wouldn't use this, holding a short spear, against any woman. And you or I to die. Egwene had the sudden feeling that the woman was trying to soothe them. Elaine's like, I knew that. As if she's talking to Avienda, but her eyes told Egwene the words are for her. No one knows much of your people, but I was taught that I'll never harm women unless they are, uh, what do we call it? Wedded to the spear? And this is where we get a bit of a cultural swing and a miss. I'm going to attempt to do this again. Bane seemed to think Elaine was failing to see the truth clearly again. This is not exactly the way of it, Elaine. If a woman not wedded came at me with my weapons, I would drub her until she knew better of it. A man? A man might think a woman of your lands is wedded if she bore weapons. I do not know. Men can be strange. Of course, Elaine said. But as long as we do not attack you with weapons, you will not try to harm us. All four, Aiel looked shocked, and she gave Egwene a quick, significant look. Egwene held on to Sidar anyway. Just because Elaine had been taught something did not mean it was true, even if the Aiel said the same thing. And Sidar felt good in her. Nynaeve lifted up Dylan's head and began pouring her mixture into the woman's mouth. Drink. She said firmly. I know it tastes bad, but drink it all. Dylan swallowed, choked, and swallowed again. Not even then, I said I, Avienda told Elaine. She kept her eyes on Dylan and Nynaeve, though. It is said that once before the breaking of the world, we served the Aes Sedai, though no story says how. We failed in that service. Perhaps that is the sin that sent us to the threefold land. I do not know. No one knows what the sin was, except maybe the wise ones, or the clan chiefs, and they do not say. It is said if we fail the Isodate again, we, they will destroy us. Drink it all, Nynaeve muttered. Swords, swords and muscles and no brains. We are not going to destroy you, Elaine said firmly, and Avienda nodded. As you say, Isodai. But the old stories are all clear on one point. We must never fight, I said I. If you bring your lightnings and your bale fire against me, I will dance with them, but I will not harm you. Stabbing people! Nynaeve growled. She lowered Dylan's head and laid a hand on the woman's brow. Dylan's eyes had closed again. Stabbing women! Avienda shifted her feet and frowned again, and she was not alone among the Aiel. Balefire, Egwene said. Avienda, what is Balefire? The Aiel woman turned her frown on her. Do you not know, Aes Sedai? In the old stories, Aes Sedai wielded it. The stories make it a fearsome thing, but I know no more. It is said that we have forgotten much that we once knew. Perhaps the White Tower has forgotten much, too, Egwene said. I knew of it in that, dream, or whatever it was. It was as real as Teleronriad. I'd gamble with Matt on that. No right, Nynaeve snapped. No one has a right to tear bodies so. It is not right. Is she angry? Avienda asked uneasily. Chiad and Bane and Jolene exchanged worried looks. It's all right, Elaine said. It is better than all right, Egwene added. She is getting angry, and it is much better than all right. The glow of Sidar surrounded Nynaeve suddenly. Egwene leaned forward, trying to see, and so did Elaine. And Dylan started up with a scream, eyes open wide. In an instant, Nynaeve was easing her back down, and the glow faded. Dylan's eyes slid shut, and she lay there panting. I saw it, Egwene thought. 
think I did. She was not sure she had even been able to make out all of the many flows, much less the way Nynaeve had woven them together. What Nynaeve had done in those few seconds had seemed like weaving four carpets at once while blindfolded. Whew, that was stressful. <laughs> reading, reading that with different voices for different women and trying to variance them so you don't get confused by who's saying what. Stressful. <laughs> But basically we learn, you know, like, hey, if a woman who's not wedded comes at me with weapons, I drub her until she knows better of it. In other words, like, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to kill her, but I'm going to make her wish she would never been born until she learns the better of it. And a man might, you know, think that if a woman attacks him with weapons that she's wedded to the spear. We don't know. Men can be strange. And it's like, well, it's also a totally different culture, so they're going to have different ideas. He's like, well, yeah, yeah, um, but, you know, if we don't attack you, you won't attack us, right? And they're like, actually, we won't attack you regardless. Like, if you bring your lightnings, I will dance with your lightnings, but I'm not going to actually harm you. Which is like, oh, okay. <laughs> now, this is a cultural thing. Um, and throughout this all, whole thing, and he just gets angry, which is great. <laughs> She's just... Uh, she's, if you ever let Nynaeve at, like, two kings who are having, like, a peace talks, but they're both, like, really hating each other, she would really set them down and be, like, dress them down and make them, like, you guys are fools. You hurt people, I'm gonna hurt you. <laughs> It'd be funny. Learn about Balefire, um, which we kind of know. We don't know too much about it, so tuck that one away for later if you want to. Um... But Nynaeve wields the one power so fluently that it has. It's so intricate and so detailed and so much impossible for Egwene to even keep up with it. So it has a good. It's a very detailed healing, so to speak, um, to the point where it's not the normal style. So Nynaeve basically has her own custom healing methods. Um, and it, the, the way to describe it is that what she had done in a few seconds, it seemed like weaving four carpets at once while blindfolded. That's, that's how complicated it looked. But Nynaeve uses bloody bandages to wipe Dallin's mouth, smearing away the bright red, new blood, and black crust of Dreidel. She's like, there's no wound, no scar, only healthy skin, considerably paler than Dalen's face. So this lets us know that underneath their clothes, they are much paler than what they are seeing because they keep most of their body wrapped up because they live in a desert so obviously things that are in the sun are gonna get burned or gonna get tanned heavily so they just wear their cotton sore in a way that keeps them mostly covered but underneath the cotton sore is very very pale but then Nynaeve takes the bloody cloths with a grimace and just throws them into the river. And she's like, wash the, red the rest of that off of her and put some clothes on her. She's cold and be ready to feed her. She's going to be hungry. And then she just gets down and washes her hands. Now, that's it for this chapter, but it will continue in the following chapter. So let me know what you guys thought. There's a lot to unpack in this, in this chapter slash episode. Um, it's not, it's not always as simple as I wish it was, <laughs> but hopefully you guys caught all of it. Hopefully I explained it in a way that makes sense. Um, as things get explained more commonly, uh, it'll be easier to describe it to you in those settings and whatnot. So as long as you guys are like keeping mental note or even a physical note, if that's what you do, um, it'll help you kind of follow along in this little mess i guess so uh yeah uh let me know what you guys thought um leave a comment on either facebook twitter or just email me directly you can uh email me through uh tales of a red arm at gmail.com i'll get that directly you can reach out on twitter which is at tales of a red arm um or on facebook which is tales of a red arm uh, i'd love to hear what you guys think um I don't typically post too much to Facebook because I want it to be more of a, 
discussion center, I guess. Um, also have a Discord, but it's not getting really used that much. Um, I don't think many of the people who listen to this podcast have Discord, but if it's ever something that you would enjoy using, um, more than welcome to get a hold of me and I can find a way to get you that uh, email probably the easiest way to do that but I think I've posted it on Twitter before but you gotta kind of probably have to hunt for it um, but I just love to get to talk to you guys over discord or just message through Facebook Twitter or uh, email is also fine so uh, yeah love to hear from you guys uh, hopefully you guys will join me for the following chapter chapter 39 where steadily making our way through this uh, this uh, book and we're getting there slowly but surely um basically yeah we're gonna go ahead and end it here so thanks everybody for hanging around and listening to me ramble on about stories it's something i enjoy doing and i hopefully you guys are enjoying hearing it um so we'll leave it there until next we drink all night and dance all day, and on the girls we'll spend our pay. And when we're done, then we'll away to dance with Jack of the Shadows. We'll toss the dice however they fall, and snuggle the girls be they short or tall. And follow young Matt wherever he goes to dance with Jack of the Shadows. We'll toss the dice however they fall And some of the girls be they short or tall Then follow Lord Matt wherever he calls To dance with Jack and the Shadows We'll give a yell with a bloody curse And hug the mags it could be worse And ride away with the dark woods first To dance with Jack and the Shadows yeah! 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 Yeah!